It's Dr. Anna welcoming you back to New Teacher Talk to part two of our discussion with Drs. Vicki Phelps and Sarah Curran, two fabulous educators who are experts in the area of differentiation. Dr. Beth and I will continue the conversation with Vicki and Sarah. We hope you find at least one idea that inspires you to differentiate in your classroom setting. You really piqued my interest, Vicki, when you started talking about using data to inform what one does in the classroom with regard to differentiation. Let's go deeper with that. Share a few more examples of how teachers can use data to differentiate. I would say first and foremost, we need to remember that data come in many forms. We have our quantitative data, our pre-assessment data, our benchmarks, our graded assignments, but we also need to remember the qualitative data that allow us to learn about our students' interests, their life experiences, and their values. Differentiation that incorporates both quantitative and qualitative data recognize the whole child and leads to that purposeful and meaningful differentiation. This might mean with math, you might give many math programs come with pre-assessments now. Now, some of them don't. You can still give the post-assessment as a pre-assessment. You can see where your students are in regard to areas they have mastered, areas they still might need to work on, and that allows you to recognize and begin to plan for who is going to be in a small group instruction where you are targeting skills that have not yet been mastered. How are you going to bring in the slight nuances to help them continue to go deeper in their learning, whether they're thinking as a disciplinarian or bringing in some deeper vocabulary or they are making real world connections? It all comes down to that pre-assessment when we don't know where our students are before we embark on a new unit or start a new content area, it's really hard for us to know how to differentiate. And it's even more difficult to be able to show their growth that happens over time when we don't know where they started and where they ended. Data is so critically important. I know you mentioned math in one of your examples, Vicki. I'm going to take it over to Sarah here. What are your thoughts? One of the things that I think is important to remember about data is not only should we be collecting data about content and the material that we're covering, but also about the students themselves as people. I like to use a lot of interest surveys at the beginning of the year to find out about their interests, their passions, find out what types of books they like to read. Throughout the year, we do a lot of getting to know you activities, you know, class meetings, things like that, so that we can really work on building those relationships with students because no learning is going to occur if we don't have those relationships. And I feel like it's really important to getting to know the students and who they are and to be able to incorporate their interests throughout the year in your instruction as well. Once we kind of have the base of that down, then we can really kind of move forward with the content area. And as Vicki said, I am such a proponent for pre-testing and pre-assessments. They are so helpful in guiding your instructional decisions shows who's already mastered a skill, who may need more background knowledge before starting, reveals again, just special interests of students, depending on what is on the pretest. There's always 
I feel like a student who might just really surprise you with, I feel like this happens in science a lot where they're just experts in a topic that you just had no idea that they had an interest in, but giving them that pretest lets you know that and really allows an opportunity for making sure that they grow. And maybe they're going to do a separate research project in the hallway that again, doesn't necessarily put anything extra on the teacher. They already know so much, you know, asking them, what do you want to know about this topic that you don't already know? And they probably know what that is if they want to research and allowing them the opportunity to do that. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's really, really neat to find that out from a pretest. I think it's really important to use a variety of different assessments. Vicki alluded to that as well. They don't have to be formal or at the end of a chapter, end of a unit. And now I'm going to assess this using just real quick one or two question exit slips or little quick checks. I use those a lot in math class where it's not a huge formal assessment, but two or three questions just to really see, are we ready to move on? Do some students need extra review? Even just more anecdotal type things like observing them in class. We we're talking about the post-its earlier and walking around and seeing what they're writing down, having students hold up whiteboards, showing their thinking and just taking a quick snapshot of where are students at with what we're learning. And then also being sure to include those authentic assessments where it's not always a paper pencil type of assessment, but allowing students to really have some choice and showing what they know and being able to pull on their strengths. And then even having students reflect on the lessons themselves, they can give themselves a rating, you know, where am I at in my comfort level? Where am I at in my understanding? How much more practice do I think I need with whatever it is that we're learning on? And usually they're pretty right on, especially if it's a reflection that's done in a way where other students aren't seeing what they're reflecting on or what the level is that they feel they're at. They're usually pretty honest and pretty right on target. And that really helps to guide instruction and where you need to go with your lessons. One thing that I do that I find so incredibly helpful, and it really takes very little time, is I have a grid with all my students' names on it. Would look like a typical like grade book, more traditionally. But instead of putting grades in it, I do like a plus check minus, and I list at the top all the skills that were on an assessment. So rather than just listing the name of the assessment, if there were several skills worked on, I will list out the specific skills. And then for each student, I just go through and put a plus check minus, and that really gives me more data moving forward on who might need reteaching in a specific skill from an assessment, who might need some extension, maybe as a whole class, even, oh, we might need to go over and review this topic. It seems like a lot of students were having more difficulty with that, or maybe we need to go over the question on the test as a class and kind of figure out where the students' misunderstandings were. I use that all the time for flexible grouping in reading and writing and in math to pull quick groups. I just check my grid and look for who needed more of a challenge or who maybe needed a little more review in those different skills. So I just find that so helpful for me. Another thing is if you do work with special education teachers, often they will come to me before an annual review for an IEP or 504, and they may ask, how is the student doing? Or what would be a great skill to use for their goals? And I can really quickly go back to even things at the beginning of the year that I may not remember the breakdown of exactly what were they really successful in and what might they have had more challenge in. And I can use my grid to really help provide beneficial feedback. So I found that that grid is like my lifesaver for all things differentiation in my class. 
Those plus check minus grids are amazing. And as you just talked about, really continue to provide information when we don't remember what happened last week or last month, we can reference back to those. In addition to that, something that I found very useful is to buy address labels, like what you would put on the front of an envelope. And I keep those on a clipboard because you never know when students might just do something in class that is unexpected or that shows that they have mastered something or something that they might need a little bit more extra support with. And what I do is I write the date on the address label, I write the name of the student, and a real quick couple of words of what it was. Those are kind of catching those in the moment pieces of data that are going to continue to help inform instruction. And then I'm able to go back at the end of the day or during my planning period or at lunch and, and transfer those address labels over to where you have your checklist. You know, you have your separate pages for your kind of ongoing data that's gathered in the moment. Also, along with all of those pre-assessment data pieces that continues to inform instruction and communicate with the special education team and with reading resource and with parents and with all the other stakeholders involved. I love that. I call that kind of data decision-driven data because one of the things that I see, especially with new educators, is that they sometimes feel that they just have to follow the particular curriculum content that they don't have options to make decisions. They feel controlled by the material or the curriculum. And those are the very points of data that I see as being very empowering to a teacher because it gives you that opportunity to make a decision about how you're going to proceed with each one of your individual students and the class as a whole. I love this idea of keeping those plus minus check sheets and to offer those particularly individualized bits of knowledge about a student an understanding from the teacher's perspective that you can share and will also shape your vision of that student as a learner. I'm going to come back to you, Vicki, and I'm going to ask you to share your contribution to the book. What did you write about and how can new teachers use the resource that you created that is a downloadable that goes along with the book? One of my contributions was focused on the importance of pre-assessments as a means to inform instruction and to measure growth. As a new teacher, I remember thinking, I don't have time for pre-assessments. I need to get through all of this curriculum. I have benchmarks I need to give. I remember all of those feelings. And then one day somebody came to me and said, well, how do you know how much growth the student had? And I couldn't answer that. So as we had talked about earlier, pre-assessments are so important. This one contribution continues to talk about their importance in order to guide differentiated practice as well as demonstrate growth. The resource that went along with it was something I used called learning folders. And these were given to students at the beginning of every week. And each student had appropriately differentiated work that they would progress through while I worked with small groups. Not only did this hold them accountable for completing the work and showing which days they worked on which assignments, 
had also incorporated reflective practice on what they worked on each day and, and a place for them to set the goal for what would happen the following day. From the teaching perspective, I loved it because on the weekend, I would put the folders together and then they were streamlined for the whole week where the students really had choice on which order they wanted to work in. I typically always would have a, some bonus things in there if they happened to finish the required tasks that were in there. It continued to help them learn time management and goal setting along the way. So that was one of the contributions. And the other contribution was focused on independent research. So when you have a student who might have demonstrated mastery of a content and they need to have an alternate learning plan in place, or if you are teaching research practices to an entire class of students and how you differentiate within that, this contribution introduced the iLEARN process. So it's an acronym. The iLEARN process provides a structure to ensure that students are being held accountable and have a reference of how to proceed with independent research, iLEARN stands for identifying a topic to investigate, lay out a learning plan, engage in research, apply learning, reflect and refine, and then next steps for newfound knowledge. And within each component, there are different aspects that a student needs to work through one of the greatest takeaways, and I allude to this in the contribution as well, is making sure that when students engage in independent research as an alternate learning module, if they've shown mastery of a content, and making sure that they aren't researching something that they are already experts in. I had a second grade student who had demonstrated mastery of an entire science unit. I was working with the student to come up with their iLearn process and what they were going to research, and, and I asked the student, what is something that you really want to learn about? And without missing a beat, he said, roller coasters. I want to learn about roller coasters. And I asked him, well, what do you already know about roller coasters? At which point he went on and told me the names of every roller coaster around the world, how tall they were, what they were made out of, how many loops were in each one. And clearly he was already an expert on roller coasters. So I told him, I think you've already become an expert on that. Is there something else that you've wanted to learn about, something you've wondered about. He thought for just a little bit and he said, you know what, I've always wondered why stomach acids are strong enough to break down food, but not strong enough to eat through the lining of the stomach. And I said, oh, so you're interested in the digestive system. And he said, well, everything but the last part. So that launched into our conversation of building his independent research protocol that he was going to be exploring how the circulatory system and digestive system work together as subsystems within the human body. So it ended up being a, a, a wonderful independent learning project that engaged him in new learning throughout that we still continue to work on the standards that he was still weak in in some areas. The resource that goes along with this section in my contribution is focused on the iLearn protocol. There's an example of practice that has been completed as well as a blank one that you can complete with a student. And as a bonus perk, it also works as a nice learning contract to keep everybody accountable for learning. Thank you so much, Vicki. I really enjoyed your story about that second grader. Sarah, tell us about your contribution to the book and about your resource that you created and how new teachers could use it. 
So mostly my contribution to the book focused on a lot of what we've already been discussing. I just provided some specific tips and other suggestions for incorporating different aspects of differentiation in your classroom. A lot of the ones that we've been discussing. So uh, you can find more information about those and other suggestions for kind of getting started with differentiation in your classroom. For the online downloadable documents, one of the things that I included was a list of ways to differentiate. And there's two lists. There's a list that you could use for students who might need additional support. And in addition to the list of ideas and strategies and tips that might be beneficial, I also included some times when you might want to include those. I feel like as a newer teacher, it's sometimes challenging to know, you know, when do my students need this strategy? When do they need this strategy and scaffolding appropriately for them? I also included a list of ways to differentiate for students who might need enrichment or extension. And again, different times when you might need to use those strategies and that might work best for students who need that. I also included a list of the authentic products that we've been talking about. So like the mini graphic novel, Venn diagram, different ways where students can show what they know other than simply a paper pencil type of assessment or activity. I included a list of open-ended questions that could be used with your students for any subject or any topic that really helps students to dig deeper, make sure that we're having critical thinking opportunities for all students, but also as the teacher gives you more information about what your students truly understand about the topic. Are they already going deeper and beyond, which gives you important information, or maybe do you need to push them to go a little bit deeper? I included a differentiation planning sheet for the teacher to kind of plan out what types of differentiation strategies and techniques might you use uh, for a unit or even just for one specific lesson. I had two student inventories in there. One would be for the student, maybe that you would use at the beginning of the school year to start getting to know them better with their interests and preferences and hobbies and things related to school and not related to school. I also included a student inventory that would be used more by the teacher to keep anecdotal notes. Often I have my students do a project at the beginning of the year where they share five things that represent them in some way. And I love to take notes on that activity because often you find out about their families and their backgrounds. And that's really important to connecting with the students. And also on that form, you might include some academic strengths that you notice, some academic struggles that you notice that you can use to drive your instruction and also relating with the students. And then finally, I also had a reflection form that a teacher could use after you try out a differentiation strategy where you can kind of go back and reflect on how did it go? What did you learn? What might you like to try next time to feel even better about it? Or what did you notice about your students and how they related to the lesson so that you could either pull that out the next year when you go to teach that lesson again, or if you are moving forward with that unit, you want to use that differentiation strategy again, it kind of gives you good feedback back to use any type of differentiation in more effective ways. We cannot say thank you enough to the two of you for making these contributions to the new teacher's guide to overcoming the 10 most common challenges. The book is filled with short practical articles. For each of those articles, there are these downloadable that are available to you to use right away in your classroom. This is the lightning round. If you could only give new teachers one bit of advice about differentiation, what would you say? I think start small. Don't try to differentiate everything all at once. 
that is a huge undertaking and we don't want to set ourselves up for overwhelm. Start small. You could start by just giving students choices, something even as simple as choosing to work alone, work with a partner. That's up to them. That doesn't take you any extra planning. You can also give the option of working with the teacher if they feel that they need that or using an audio book or an audio textbook if students feel like they need that level of support. If you're doing a larger differentiation undertaking, just choose one unit or one topic that you're going to start with. Don't try to do the entire year at one time or start with one new differentiation technique that you know of, and then try it out in several different lessons. Really get comfortable with it before moving on to something new. And then make it a goal each year to just add something new to your differentiation repertoire. I would not try to do several things if it's your first year of teaching. Pick one thing that you're going to try and then try to add on something else the following year. And talk to your colleagues to see if they have any suggestions for successful strategies that they've tried or resources that they've used. Really tap into your colleagues. They are a wealth of knowledge. Very sage advice. Start small and build from there. Okay, Vicki, this is the lightning round for you. If you could only give new teachers one bit of advice about differentiation, what would you say? I would say build relationships with your students to get to know them and pretest, pretest, pretest. Remember, how will you be able to appropriately differentiate if you do not know what your students already know? How will you be able to use flexible grouping? How will you be able to demonstrate student growth without this important pretest data? Remember, it doesn't mean that pretesting has to be a day full of assessments. It can be a simple concept map, a quick pre-assessment question on an exit ticket the day prior. There's so many other ways to have those ongoing pre-assessments that you're just organically gathering throughout your teaching days. I would like to also say that those pre-assessments help the teacher hone in on what the goals are for their particular unit. For beginning teachers, it's easy to get overwhelmed and think that we have to make a unit bigger than it actually is. But when you're pre-assessing, you're really focusing on the goals for that unit. So I think that is really sage advice for new teachers and all teachers. Which brings me to our final question. And this is the part of this whole process of having podcasts and Twitter chats that I think is so rich and valuable. We give our listeners and our readers real opportunity to get in touch with those people that you've read their great work. So thank you for making yourselves accessible. And if our listeners would like to contact you, how can they do so? And I'm going to start with Vicki. I would love to hear from anybody. I'm super passionate about this. I love to collaborate with others and hear what others are thinking and engage in these conversations. You can reach me at my email, Phelps at gmail.com. There is no period in there. It's just D-R-V-I-C-K-I-P-H-E-L-P-S at gmail.com or through my Twitter handle, which is at Dr. Vicki Phelps. I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much, Vicki. Sarah, would you tell our listeners how they could contact you? I'm best contacted by email at scurran, which is S-C-U-R-R-A-N at sd308.org. And I'm happy to correspond with anyone who's interested. 
Thank you, Sarah and Vicki. Thank you for spending this podcast time with us and sharing such practical information for not only new teachers, but veteran teachers about differentiation. As a podcast listener, we hope that you will subscribe or follow this podcast channel. You can also email us at thenewteachersguide at gmail.com to comment on this episode and or share ideas for future podcast topics. Finally, follow us on Twitter and DM us at newteachertalk1. The same is true for Instagram. You can find us at newteachertalk. And remember, as a new teacher, we are here to help you. Mm -hmm.